0: You're listening to a Sunday service podcast from First Universalist Church of Minneapolis, a faith community that welcomes, affirms, and protects the light in each human heart, listens deeply to where love is calling us next, and with humility, courage, and compassion works to create a more just world. To learn more, visit us at firstuniversalistchurch.org.
1: Good morning. Good morning. morning. Today's first song that we'll sing together is one of my very favorite uh, songs to sing in the morning. I'm a crack of noon type of guy, so that's saying a lot. And it's it's going to become one of your favorites, I promise. And if not, just don't tell me about it. No, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We're going to try and convince each other of the energy of this song. It goes like this. I am a tower of strength. I am a tower of strength. Already I'm not caffeinated enough. It goes, we are a tower of strength, we are a tower of strength within and without. Within and without. We, are a tower of within. we are a tower of strength within. Yes, we are a tower of strength within and without. We are a tower of strength within. We are a tower of strength within. Okay, would you rise? There are some some motions to do with it. (laughs) Actually, oh, (laughs) I think I just heard, oh my. That's all right. That's all right. The convincing still continues. It goes like this We are a tower of strength within and without.
2: We are a tower of strength within. Will you try with him? We are a tower of strength within and without. We are a tower of strength within. One more time. We are a tower of strength within and without. We are a tower last time let's say we are a tower of strength within and without we are a tower of strength within the next part goes we let every burden fall from the shoulders all anxiety slipped from the mind we let every burden fall from the shoulders all anxiety from the mind, we let every burden fall from the shoulders. All anxiety slip from one more time. We let every burden fall from the shoulders. All anxiety slip from we let all fear slip away, slip away. All fear slip away. Your turn. We let all fear slip away, slip away. All fear slip. Away. Away. One more time. Relax all this slip away, slip away all this slip away. Last part goes. Relax every shackle be loose. Relax every shackle be loose. Relax every shackle be loose. Relax every shackle. Oh. We got it right. We let every shackle be loose. Uh, We let every shackle be loose. So the whole thing goes, we are a tower of strength within and without. We are a tower of strength within. That's it. We are a tower of strength within and without. We are a tower of strength We let every burden, we let every burden fall from the shoulders. every Good. That was the practice round. Here comes concert time. Okay, you ready? Here we go. One, two, one, two, three. We are a tower of strength within. and without we are a tower of strength within. Whoa, we are a tower of strength within. Nine, without we are a tower of strength within. We let air. Mind, we let every burden fall from the shoulders. All anxiety slip from the mind. We let all fear slip away, slip away, all fear slip away. We let all fear slip away, fear slip, away, slip, away fear slip away, all fear slip away. Every shackle. We let every.
1: Great. Have a seat. Catch your breath. Catch mine. Hmm. Many years ago, during the a, a time, uh, more than 50 years ago, during the time we know as the Civil Rights Movement in America, there were people gathered from all, from all across the country, gathered into one chapel, Brown Chapel AME Church, and they sat there on what would be known throughout history as Bloody Sunday. Because during the civil rights movement, and still today, there are people who are fighting for the right to be treated like equal to any other person alive. And there are still some people and some efforts to make sure that doesn't happen. But the fight still continues, and at this point, in the middle of the 20th century, more than 50 years ago, there was a group of people who marched for the rights, the equal rights of each person. And when they came back, they came back into a sanctuary much like this one, and there was much violence fighting for this. And even in the midst of that violence, we know the song that they sang to sustain them. We know the song that they came back to on that Sunday in Brown Chapel AME. And the song goes, we shall not, we shall not be
2: moved. We shall not, we shall not be moved just like a tree that's planted by the waters. We shall
1: not be moved. Because sometimes when we're looking for love, when we're trying to fight for love and freedom, when we're trying to bring peace and freedom and love inside of ourselves and grow it, Sometimes we can lose focus. None of you ever lose focus. Oh, okay. Well, okay. So in case you ever do, this song is just for you to remain planted, to find yourself back in the center. Will you sing it with me? (laughs) I will. Thank you. Thank you. I can, I can sing by myself at home. This is church. <laughs> well, 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 hold on. Let me, let's sing this one, though. Let's sing this one, though. We shall not, we
2: shall not be moved. Sing it with me. We shall not, we shall not be moved just like a tree that planted by the waters. We One more time, say we shall not. We shall not be moved. Oh, we shall not. We shall not be moved. Just like a tree that planted. like a tree that's planted by the water, we, we shall not
3: be moved."
1: May that ground us, together, and when we are apart, always.
4: I got my blood pumping now. (laughs) As I walked out my front door that afternoon, I was confronted with the sight of my eldest child crouched over a big brown splotch of dirt that was smeared across the front path. I ran back inside for something to sweep it up, came back out, and broom-raised... Sam pointed excitedly. I looked down and saw that the untidy smudge was moving. It wasn't a smear of dirt at all, but a roiling mound of tiny brown ants, thousands of individuals piled and climbing on top of one another, the whole colony on the move. Or possibly fighting tiny ant wars over the last of the summer's food. A thing that had looked dead, or at least mineral, turned out to be very much alive, slightly revolting, possibly threatening, but also purposeful and, to us, entirely mysterious. I had originally come outside to take up my least favorite of the weekly chores, pulling the stubborn weeds out of the front walkway. It involves bending over repeatedly to yank tufts of crabgrass and spindly purslane out from between the bricks, and I don't like it, so I avoid doing it. But when I saw a heap of dirt turn suddenly into a ball of tiny creatures, plans changed. We stared open-mouthed, equal parts fascinated and terrified at the audacious display of communal vulnerability. After all, I nearly scattered and smashed them by the hundreds. We got down close and noticed all sorts of new things about our own front yard. We noticed the tiny grains of sand that had been pulled up from under the brown topsoil. We counted a dozen species of plants, very few of them native, that formed just a sampling of the surprising diversity of our beady and resilient urban lawn. We asked questions about who and what was present in that moment and on and under that tiny little piece of the earth and who used to be there but are now a part of collective memory. For just a few minutes, the rush of the week stopped and we reveled in all of the wonderings that a sudden change of perspective produced. Time slowed down when we witnessed a precious moment of exposure and possibility in the abundant and normally hidden life all around us. A pile of dirt that I could have easily rushed past turned out to be a revelation. Drudgery became on closer inspection delight. And isn't that why we come to church? Welcome newcomers, visitors, and guests to First Universalist Church. Your presence is a precious gift to this gathering, and we are delighted that you have chosen to join us. We also extend a heartfelt welcome to our longtime members, new members, and friends, your return to this community enriches all of us with your wisdom and your experiences. Each and every one of your strengths enrich our collective journey and make a difference with your presence. We are grateful to be your fellow travelers this morning and beyond. I am Malia Hausnit, one of your worship associates. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Glenn Thomas, Reverend Jen and Amy. Additionally, Olu and John are here to assist our experience of worship and by connecting us to all of you outside of the sanctuary through our live stream. We are grateful for the ushers, greeters, and artists of all kinds who have contributed to creating this sacred space. This moment is a culmination of many hours of effort, of hands working with care and grace, of hearts filled with hope to both nourish and transform you. It is an opportunity to both awaken and find solace. Let us take a moment to acknowledge the life that flows through all of us in this very moment. I invite you now to become aware of the body that supports you. Allow your body to guide you towards relaxation and release. As your body starts to settle, I encourage you to choose a word that represents something your spirit longs to discover during our time together. Let this hope or longing spread as warmth through your being as you take three meaningful breaths. May peace and inspiration, wonder and delight be revealed in the places familiar and the places least expected. Now, I invite Vivian to kindle the flame of our chalice, a tradition that has come to unite us with Unitarian Universalists everywhere. Please join me in saying the words. Love is the spirit of this church and service is its law. This is our great covenant, to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth in love, and to help one another. With open hands and open hearts, may we give, receive, and grow as we journey together guided by love.
2: el barco Somos el mar Yo navego en ti Tú navegas en ti. We are the boat We are the sea I sail
1: I sail in you, you sail in me. It happens every week. It happens each time we gather that your life and your life and your perspective, your voice, your voice and mine combine to make something that we could never make alone, something stronger, something more resonant, something even more beautiful than any one of us. And we're already beautiful. Each one of us. So that's a mighty beautiful thing. Let me prove it to you. Let you prove it to you. (laughs) For this activity, I'm going to invite each one of you, yes you, and you, to sing a note, any note of your choosing. You may sing it on la, you may sing it on ooh. you may sing it on oh yeah, if you like. But choose any note, do you have one in mind? Okay, you got a couple seconds. What we're going to do is we're going to sing those all together. And then, somehow, the goal is that we wind up singing the same note. I'm not going to direct anything. We're going to do this. I don't know how it's going to happen. Heaven knows how we will get there. But we know we will. Okay. Think of a note. Think of a note. Mm, And think of what you'll sing it on. Yes. Mm, mm. All right. Here we go. We start with any note we wish and we'll end up on the same note. See you on the other side. That must have just been a fluke. We've, we've, that must have just been a fluke. Let's do it again. Let's see if it works. Let's just see if it works a second time. Okay. Pick a different note. Pick a different note. Okay. Okay. Let's go again. <laughs> What's that? We opened our mouths. That helps. Yes. Yes. How did we do that? Yes. We used our vocal cords and our mouths with our lungs to make sound. Yes. Yes. What else did we do? We listened. Yes, we did. And then, and then what? We compromised. Yes. Some of us didn't get to sing the note we started out with. Yeah. A lot of us didn't, as a matter of fact. Yeah, what else did we do? We did it together. Did I hear that right? Yes, we did it together. Yes, we did. We waited a long time, didn't we? We, we had to be patient, sometimes more patient than we thought we would, would have to be. Yeah, and it took a while. And we didn't always wind up exactly on the same pitch, did we? We had to compromise even what we considered the same pitch was. It's a little wider idea than, than we originally thought. This is the work we do in community. Compromise is not a loss. But rather a communal exercise where you get to bring who you are, and you and you and you, and together our voice is made of everyone's voice and everyone's time, everyone's patience, everyone's contribution. Amen. See, I'm not, I'm, mm, 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 mm. so look, I, I, grew up in a, I grew up in a church where if you say good morning, people say good morning back to you, and, and if they're feeling great, they say good morning, and if they're not, then it becomes a faith statement, okay? So that's the type of, that's the type of interaction we're about. So I'm bringing my full self, and I'm going to ask you to bring some of your full self with me. Amen? Amen. Excellent. Fantastic. Your body will thank you later for having used your full voice this morning. In our time together now, may our spiritual growth deepen together now and always. So may it be. I'd
5: like to invite Sharon Mandel and the Contreras family to join me. Our congregation shares a long history of affirming the inherent worth and dignity of every person and of putting our faith into action by welcoming and caring for immigrants and strangers and the most vulnerable among us. From the formation of Unity House in 1897, the first settlement house in Minneapolis that offered childcare for the mothers working in the Washburn Mills, to the church's declaration in 1984 to be a sanctuary church providing temporary housing and refuge to Central Americans fleeing terrorism in their home countries, to this congregation's unanimous resolution in 2017 in which we publicly declared our intent again to be a sanctuary church, to provide support and refuge to immigrants regardless of their legal status, and to dedicate ourselves to educate and activate our congregation, to amplify and respond to the voices of immigrant leaders and to speak out against discrimination toward any and all marginalized people. We bring a long history and a present day commitment to welcoming and caring for people seeking safety and a better life, seeking sanctuary. Our sanctuary and resistance team here at church does this in all kinds of ways, from its court observer program to activism and advocacy and education about the immigration system, and by providing mutual aid and direct support to individuals and families through accompaniment and sanctuary here in our building. Whether you're part of the Sanctuary and Resistance team or not, if you are a part of this church in any way, you are a part of this work and this ministry. Since June of this year, a team of congregants led by Jean Guion and including Courtney LeClaire, Seth Binder, and Sharon Mandel and myself have been offering sanctuary and accompaniment to the Contreras family as they have made a home here with us. They live in the sanctuary apartment in our building that we created as part of our recent renovations and capital campaign. And it's at their request that we're here, and they have a chance to meet you, and for you to meet them.
6: I will introduce myself first. You know me as Sharon, many of you. so I serve as the interpreter and translator for the apartment team for the family. Sirvo haciendo el interpretar y traducir con la familia. Okay, quiere introducir sus mismos. You want to introduce yourself?
7: Hola, buenos dias. Mi nombre es Daybelis. El es mi esposo Gustavo. Mi hijo de cuatro años Mateo. Y mi bebe de cuatro meses, Elijah.
6: Hello, good morning. My name is Diabelis. This is my husband, Gustavo, my four-year-old son, Mateo, and my four-month-old baby, Elijah. We are happy to finally have the joy and the opportunity to meet you and thank you for the great support you've given to us since we
7: came to Minnesota estamos felices de por fin eh, tener la la alegría y la oportunidad de poder compartir eh, conocerlos y darles las gracias por el apoyo eh, tan grande que que nos han dado desde que llegamos a, a Minnesota. Le doy gracias a Dios por colocar en nuestras vidas eh, personas con corazones bondadosos como lo son ustedes que han contribuido a que nuestras vidas sean más bonitas, eh, después de tantos días de viajes por caminos peligrosos y momentos difíciles que hoy forman parte de los recuerdos.
6: So we, we thank God for placing in our lives people with kind hearts like you who have contributed to making our lives more beautiful. After so many days of travel through dangerous roads and difficult moments, that today are part of our memories,
7: estamos infinitamente agradecidos y oramos a Dios por la comunidad de la Iglesia para que cada día sean más familias a las que puedan proteger, así como lo han hecho con nosotros, eh, permitiéndonos tener un hogar seguro.
6: We are infinitely grateful, and we pray to God to strengthen the church community here so that you're able to protect many more families as you have done with ours, allowing them to have safe homes.
7: DE VERDAD NO TENEMOS PALABRA PARA DECIRLES LO AGRADECIDO QUE ESTAMOS CON TODOS USTEDES Y DE CORAZON, MUCHAS gracias.
6: We really do not have words to tell you how grateful we are to all of you from the bottom of our hearts. So thank you very much. Thank you.
5: We are so grateful that you are here with us and all of us will have the chance, if you'd like to meet the Contreras family after the service down in the social hall. On their journey from Venezuela to Minnesota, the Contreras family faced many obstacles, and they also found many people along the way who opened their hearts and who they traveled with and who have taken turns with them, sharing what they have, helping when help is needed, and offering that care in return. We have the opportunity to be part of that care and part of that giving and receiving that is part of life for all of us, but especially in this moment, I'll be asking for your support for our sanctuary and resistance team in our offering this morning. The funds that go to support this team will be going primarily to support the legal fees for the Contreras family, and if there is extra for others as well. It's about $15,000 to pay for the legal fees that are needed right now. Legal fees that will help to cover the application for uh, authorization of temporary protected status for Venezuelans who are in the US already. We are in partnership, we don't do this alone. We are in partnership with the Twin Cities Sanctuary and Resistance Network. We're working together with Nicomas Heights Lutheran Church to support this family in particular, and also with Grace Neighborhood Nursery School, who is a tenant here in the building as Mateo goes to school there. We do this together and I ask for your generosity. If you're in a position where you are able to give and to share today and in the days to come, your financial gifts will help to support this family and to help them be safe not only in this building, but in the larger community as well. Our offering will now be received.
8: of love. It seems like we are you every day. Just talk.
5: Like, Sharon, will you come pray with me? I invite us to settle our bodies. Maybe to feel your feet on the floor. To join together for three intentional breaths. we share in this prayer from the Reverend Angela Herrera. This is a prayer for all the travelers.
6: Esta oración es para todos los viajeros,
5: for the ones who start out in beauty.
6: Para los que comienzan en la belleza,
5: who fall from grace. Y caen de la gracia, who step gen- gingerly.
6: Quienes caminan timidamente,
5: looking for the way back.
6: Buscando la manera de bo- volver.
5: And for those who are born into the margins.
6: Y para los que nacen en los márgenes.
5: Who travel from one liminal space to another.
6: Viajando de un lugar liminal a otro. Crossing boundaries in search of center. Cruzando fronteras en busca del centro.
5: This is a prayer for the ones whose births are a passing from darkness to darkness.
6: Es una oracion para aquellos cuyo nacimiento es el paso de oscuridad a oscuridad,
5: who all their lives are drawn toward the light.
6: Aqueos que se sienten atraidos por la luz, and keep moving. Y avancen hacia ella
5: for those whose journeys are a winding road that begins and ends in the same place.
6: And only
5: when the journey is completed do they finally know where they
6: are. For
5: all the travelers, young and old,
6: para todos los viajeros, jóvenes y viejos,
5: aching and joyful,
6: dolientes y alegres,
5: weary and full of life,
6: cansados y llenos de vida,
5: the ones who are here and the ones who are not here,
6: los presentes y los
5: ausentes, the ones who are like you and they're all like you, los que son como tú y todos son como tú, and the ones who are different, for in some ways we each travel alone.
6: This
5: is a prayer for traveling mercies and sure-footedness.
6: For
5: clear vision, for bread, for your body and spirit.
6: For Pan, for water,
5: for, for your agua, for your safe arrival,
6: para que llegues seguro
5: and for everyone you meet along the way.
6: May
5: our hearts be open to all of the travelers, known and unknown, and may we lift up our prayers together now for all of the joys and sorrows, celebrations and struggles we carry. I invite you to bring them to mind, to share them in the chat if you're joining us online, to speak them out loud or hold them silently in your heart. We pray for an end to violence everywhere. We pray for peace. We bring into this space all that is spoken and unspoken. And together we pray that the grip of addiction might be loosened, that the weight of oppression might be lightened, that grief might be shared, that joy might break through, and that love might make every suffering bearable for us all. Thank uh-huh. you.
4: There was a man who was once a regular at church. But as time passed, he started attending less and less until he eventually stopped going completely. He felt he could manage on his own without the community or shared worship. The minister, noticing his absence and worried about his spiritual welfare, decided to pay him a visit one evening. He was invited into the man's home, where a fire was crackling brightly in the fireplace, providing much-needed warmth against the winter chill. The two men sat silently next to the fireplace, neither speaking. Then the minister moved forward and used a pair of tongs to remove a single flaming coal from the fireplace. He placed it down by itself, away from the other burning coals. In no time, the isolated coal's flames subsided. Its brightness waned, and it began to cool. The once vibrant red glow faded into a lifeless black. But the remaining group of coals in the fire kept burning brightly together, undiminished. Still, without saying anything, the minister then took the cooled off coal and placed it back with the other coals in the fire. Almost instantly, it reignited and began to glow and provide warmth again. The man understood the silent message his minister had come to share. The following week, he returned to church, and it was said that he never went missing for very long again.
5: this story about the Kohl's. I didn't write it, I promise. I've never done it. (laughs) But I do know that experience of being separate from, that experience of thinking maybe for a while I'd like to just be off on my own, and maybe that would be just fine. And usually it's okay for a little bit, but ultimately I find my way back to relationship, to community, to each other because we need each other. It's really just that simple. We need each other when we are born and when it is time for us to die. We need each other in that great in-between that is all of our lives. This in-between where we find that we need to be in this pattern of giving and receiving and growing together. We need each other when we might break out into a new pathway when we're bearing witness to each other's growth and we get to feel a love beyond measure when we see one another shining. We need to be inspired by music and poetry and art by the vision of the artist that's so much more beautiful than maybe ours is or mine is on my own. We certainly need each other if we are going to dare to create something that is different than all of the pressures around us that are trying to constrain us into one way of being. When we come together at church, when we share our presence with one another, whether it's in person or online or listening later, we are saying not only that sticking together matters, we're saying by our presence and with our actions that we are daring to create something different. That we're in this together, daring to create something different than all of the pressures around us try to constrain us into. We've said here that we are about building beloved community together. Here in this lifetime, not some afterlife experience, but here Now, building a community that is ordered in love, rooted in love, love that is so powerful that it's palpable, that we can feel it, that it changes us for the better, and we change society and the world for the better, till we are all ordered in love. This kind of community isn't some place we arrive at, not a state of perfection, but rather it is a spiritual practice that requires of us the most fundamental spiritual practice of all, which is starting again and starting again and starting again. We've named this project together of building beloved community here at church. We've done the work of listening to one another about how we get there from here, what practices will help, and we have shared and said, As we go through this church year, we're going to talk about a different worship theme each month, each one of these worship themes, one of the ways that we build beloved community together. In October, we spent time with learning from each other's experiences, and as we move into November, we're going to be talking and working with the idea of staying at the table with each other in times of conflict, staying at the table. Now... As we get started on this topic, there are some things I feel like have to be said first because staying at the table with each other in times of conflict, we need to know when and why we're doing that, and it's important for us to be clear about the language that we're using and not collapse all kinds of things together. We live in a world where what is happening right now in Israel and Gaza is referred to as conflict in the Middle East. Conflict. When really it is war, it is dehumanization, it's killing and destruction in entire communities, it's more than conflict. We're living in a world where we have the privilege, some of us, of accompanying people who are seeking refuge from harm that many of us can't even imagine. We're living in a world where we and the people that we love experience relationships sometimes that include harm and abuse. So we have to be careful about the language we use when we're talking about conflict and what we are asking ourselves and each other to do and what we are not asking ourselves and each other to do. So I want to say right out loud at the beginning of this month that there are times when leaving the table is exactly the right thing to do. There are times when the table was never really set for us, and no matter how hard we try to show up and share our humanity, the other people at the table refuse to experience it. There are times when the table is set to include us, but not to include our flourishing, just our presence. There are times when we need to bring something to the table and the people there are not ready or willing to welcome our gifts. There are times when we have changed or the other person has changed or the group has changed and it's time to move on and that's just okay. I had this experience once a few years ago now. I've been in recovery from alcoholism for a long time, and one of the tools that I use in this recovery process is working one-on-one with somebody. And in the circles I move in, it's called a sponsor. Now, this sponsor helps move you through and talk you through the different stages of recovery. And with the folks that I hang out with, if you're lucky enough to stay sober for a long time, you're probably going to have more than one sponsor. You'll have, you know, somebody that works with you for a little while at the beginning, maybe a next person. These are all people who are volunteering their time, wanting to be there for each other, right? And life is life. So things change and relationships change. I was watching one of these relationship changes happen in the circles I was in in New York, and it was unfolding kind of dramatically. So imagine this with me. I'm in a recovery group, and somebody starts sharing, and they're talking about how terrible their former sponsor is. How they'd given them advice that was just the worst and offered some critique that was, you know, just way out of line. Now, this happens a lot, I have to say, where people don't always like the critique that they're getting or the suggestions. And the person in the room was just trashing the other, the person who had tried to be helpful and announcing how glad they were to have found a new person. Now, I was really unsettled by this, so I brought this experience to my own sponsor, and she gave me a really helpful image that I've just kept, and now you get to have it too. She said, do you remember watching like, Sesame Street when you were growing up, or any of those, those uh, kids' shows where you're encouraged to sing along with whoever's singing on the TV, and like the lyrics are shown on the bottom of the screen, and there's like a bouncing ball that just goes from word to word. She's like, that's it that bouncing ball. Your job in recovery is to follow the bouncing ball of your sobriety, of your health, of your spiritual development. Your job is to follow that bouncing ball. It's gonna take you from person to person and group to group and experience to experience. Your job is just to follow the ball. That's all, to say thank you for everyone and everything that's been before and to just keep moving. Simple, right? And then, as usual, she adds a whammy at the end. She's like, so while you're following that bouncing ball of your own spiritual development and health, you don't need to turn and throw a hand grenade behind you as you leave. Just follow the ball. <laughs> really clear image that I found super helpful for myself. So I say this because there are going to be times when we need to follow that bouncing ball all onto something or someone else, and that is Okay. Our job as people who are living spiritual lives is not to throw a grenade behind us as we go, but to move forward with gratitude and to see what's happening next. So I say all this knowing that if we are here, we have chosen to be a part of a community that is trying to become a beloved community, a place where we are grounded in love and learning from each other's experiences where we have said to one another, we're going to try our best to stay at the table with each other in times of conflict. And it's really important that we have said that and that we do that with each other, because this is a community where we have said that we are going to stay with each other and we're going to be a community across difference. We're going to be a multi-generational community. We're going to be a multicultural community. We're going to be a community of folks of different racial identities and life experiences. And we are bound to run into difference with each other when we are part of a community like that. So being part of beloved community is about getting good at being in conflict sometimes. Now, I think it's important to say out loud, too, that conflict isn't something that comes natural for many of us in terms of ease with it. I think that's fair. So deep breath. Conflict can be healthy. Can, conflict can be normal. Conflict can be transformative. It can also be terrifying. And we've got to get good at it if we're going to build beloved community together. The Unitarian Universalist minister, Teresa Cooley, says it like this. She says, conflict doesn't mean all the time. Conflict doesn't mean that we have done something wrong. It means we have something to learn. Conflict doesn't necessarily mean we have done something wrong. Conflict means we have something to learn. So as opportunities to learn from each other keep coming up in our lives and within ourselves, I invite us to take a deep breath with it and imagine what it is we could learn in these moments. I'm going to give us a couple of examples, a couple of short stories to work with here. Story number one comes from the author and facilitator and activist, Adrienne Marie Brown. Back in July of 2020, Adrienne Marie Brown wrote a blog post, a pretty daring one, I think, at the time, titled Unthinkable Thoughts, Call Out Culture in the Age of COVID-19. They were talking about the ways that we sometimes harm each other within communities, the ways that we turn on each other and don't engage in exploration and curiosity and care, but instead turn to right and wrong only. In her essay or blog post, she invited folks in the movements for racial and environmental justice to care for each other differently, to release those binary ways of thinking of good and bad, inviting us to grow from our mistakes, to be principled in our struggles with each other and discerning. Now, you can probably imagine that when she put this article blog post up online, she got a whole lot of feedback. The first wave of feedback was full of positivity and gratitude. Thank you for helping us think more and about how we should be together and be differently in our communities. Thank you for naming the hurt that so many of us are experiencing within our communities. But then as she continued and went on, she started to receive a second wave of feedback. And this wave of feedback was a little less positive. This was feedback from others who had a legitimate stake in what she was saying and who shared some of her lived experiences, but they were critiquing what she had offered. She describes a whole range of emotions when that critique started coming in. She says, I felt defensive. Did you read the whole thing? She felt dismissed. Don't you know who I am? She wanted to say. She felt hurt. Why are you coming at me like this? And finally, she got to a place of curiosity, asking, what am I not seeing? What am I not hearing? What do I not know? What can I learn? Defensive, dismissed, hurt, and then ultimately curious. I don't know about you, but this is a very predictable pattern of emotions I go through when I receive critique, defensive, I want to dismiss it. I feel hurt. And then if I'm practicing, if I'm breathing, if I'm shaking it off, I can get to curious, to really listening, to learning from the other, what the other person is sharing with me about their experience of what just happened. Now, one of the things I really appreciate about Adrienne Marie Brown is she does her learning in public so much of the time. So I have to recommend her book, We Will Not Cancel Us. Uh, which in which she talks about her learning and how she moves through some of this. She said after she got to that place of curiosity, this is what she did. These are her words. She says, I asked more people for feedback, and I had more conversations, more emails, more text threads. I learned a lot more about some things that I thought I knew. I heard a lot of stories and gossip and context that people assumed I knew, but I didn't. I learned that so many people are struggling with call-outs in this moment that that I had any idea about, and some of them felt helped by what I'd written and others felt offended. I learned how in some communities, she said, the piece I wrote exacerbated tensions I didn't even know about. I got clearer on what parts of my writing had been triggers for people, what parts were just political disagreement, what parts are both. I honed in on what is really within my areas of expertise, she said. And I reaffirmed that celebrity activism is not my jam. I appreciate this so much because I resonate with all of those moves, going from defensive and dismissive and hurt to curious. This is our path together. So let me tell you playful story number two that helps me. <clears throat> when I find myself in those moments of conflict, when I think first it must mean that something's wrong or I am wrong instead of there's something to learn. Maybe some of you have encountered the book The Phantom Tollbooth by Norton Jester, yeah? So this book is about a bored boy who finds his way into this alternative world through a tollbooth. And in this part of the story, the boy, Milo, and his dog, Talk and Humbug, are driving around in their magic car when suddenly they see a beautiful island. It's so beautiful, peaceful and flat and a calm sea and a sandy beach. It's covered in palm trees and flowers that's beckoning to them invitingly. Humbug perks up. Well, nothing can possibly go wrong now, they say. And as soon as they say that, boop, he's taken from the car as if dropped by a pin over onto the little island. We'll have plenty of time now, says Tak, who didn't see that the bug had gone missing, and he too suddenly was picked up into the air and dropped onto the island. Oh, it it certainly couldn't be a nicer day, agrees Milo, who was too busy looking around to notice that all the other folks in the car had been dropped onto the island. He landed next to Tak and to Humbug on that tiny island which now looked completely different. Instead of the palms and the flowers and the sparkly water, it was just rocks and twisted stumps of long, dead trees. It didn't seem like what they had seen from the road. "'Pardon me,' says Milo to the first person who happens by. "'Can you tell me where I am?' "'Sure. You're on the island of conclusions. "'Make yourself at home. "'You're apt to be here for some time now.'" "'But how did we get here?' asks Milo, who is still puzzled." Well, you jumped, of course, the person said. That's the way almost everybody gets here. It's really quite simple. Every time you decide something without having a good reason, you jump to the island of conclusions, whether you like it or not. It's such an easy trip. I've been here hundreds of times myself. But it's so unpleasant looking here. Yep, that's true. It does look so much better from a distance. And as they were speaking, at least eight or nine more people just popped onto the island. Well, I'm gonna jump back, announces Humbug, and he takes a couple of deep knee bends and gets ready for his jump, but he lands just two feet away. Well, that won't do, the person helping them said. You can't jump away from the island of conclusions. Getting back isn't so easy. That's why we're so very crowded here on this island. The only way back is to swim. You have to swim through the sea of knowledge. Take a deep breath and swim through the sea of knowledge. I don't know about you, but I find myself transported to the island of conclusions with my partially informed ideas and opinions and beliefs. And once I'm there, I am ready to defend my position to the death. But what spiritual living calls me to do is to move through all of those emotions, defensive, dismissive, hurt, to get to curious, to take a deep breath, and to start that long swim back to togetherness through the sea of knowledge, through learning about each other and each other's experiences. That is what we are about when we ask each other to stay with it, to stay at the table in times of conflict. May it be so. Amen. remind us that we can meet and chat with the Contreras family after the service downstairs in the social hall, that next week after church we've got a square dance so come ready and if you're new, please join us for first step right up here to learn more about our church. May love be our law. Maybe we May we be curious with each other and kind along the way. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening. If you've been comforted or inspired by this podcast, please consider supporting our ministry. Podcasts are free to download, but they cost money to make. Visit firstuniversalistchurch.org slash donate to make your gift. We'd love for you to join us in person or online on Sunday mornings. To learn more, visit us online at firstuniversalistchurch.org.